Thanks for clicking play on the latest episode of the Iowa Revolution podcast. Surprise! We're a day early again, Dr. Bob. I wonder why that is. We're going to get to it later on, actually. That's going to be part of our agenda today. So we'll get there and why we're recording on a Monday, releasing on Tuesday, rather than our normal, I put that in quotations, normal, recording on Tuesday, releasing on Wednesday. Eventually we might get back, or you know what, I don't mind recording on Mondays either. Maybe we'll just make that the way we do things. That works for me. We'll play it by ear. So we got a jam-packed show for you again today. We'll start off with a couple of Iowa news stories. The Iowa mama bear has uh, dropped her suit against the Des Moines schools, or it's actually been dropped for her, basically. A very popular game show is going to be coming to Cedar Rapids, so that's pretty exciting. Plenty of caucus news. Donald Trump has been in the area recently. Dr. Bob, you just had a deep Midwest post on your Substack about his visit to Ottumwa. He was in eastern Iowa over the past week, so we'll discuss that a little bit. Ron DeSantis still trying to quote-unquote reset his Iowa operation. So we'll discuss that a little bit. Also, Vivek Ramaswamy was in central Iowa. He was in Grinnell, and there's a big hubbub about some shenanigans, possibly. Maybe, maybe not, with uh, the campaign and getting hit by a car. Uh, We'll also discuss the war that's ongoing right now, the Israel-Palestinian conflict. So we'll discuss that a little bit. Also, Republicans are continuing to use impeachment, not just in the federal government, but also across state governments as a weapon to try to get people to do what they want to do rather than just taking things to the voters. Again, we'll get to why we're recording early today towards the end of the show. And then I called an audible on your suggestion for top five this week. You suggested that we do top five unique Iowa businesses. And I started to do some research and it just, it was going to take too long for one. And B, I just I couldn't really find necessarily unique businesses in Iowa rather than just like, obviously I could pick some local small businesses, but I didn't necessarily want to just keep the focus that small. So we're going to do top five actors from Iowa today. Okay. So we're going to branch out a little bit. So we'll close out the show with that top five. We'll start off. This is from the Des Moines Register. An appeal in a lawsuit that claimed retaliation over a COVID-19 mask policy has been dismissed. Kimberly Reeks, a conservative activist known as an Iowa mama bear, sued the Ankeny Community School District in June of 2021. Reeks allegedly or alleged that the district violated her constitutional rights and punished her daughter after Reeks publicly spoke out in the spring of 2021 against the district's masking policy, which at one time required masks for students and staff as they returned to in-person learning during the COVID-19 pandemic. The district denied Reeks' claims, and a Polk County judge ruled against Reeks in August of 2022, deciding she did not establish her claim. Reeks then appealed to reverse the decision. Reeks' appeal was dismissed on September 11th, according to court records. Documents show that the appeal was dismissed under procedural rules after Reeks did not file a brief by a certain deadline. Reeks was, of course, representing herself in the case record show. It's just a, <laughs> big, it's just, it's just a big show. It wasn't she charged with uh, filing false reports of sexual abuse too. Yeah, I'm sure she was. She's you know one of Governor Reynolds' pals. She's yeah. I mean she's one. I don't know if she's in Moms for Liberty, but she is certainly of that ilk of just being a rabble rouser, trying to get media attention. She's obviously conservative and wants her viewpoints to be out there, and it's just nice that she lost. <laughs> 
Yeah, I'm quit calling them conservatives. There's nothing conservative about the Republican Party or any of these wackos, so I don't know. Uh, yeah, she was charged with harassing and making false claims against a former business partner. A liar, and I'm sure she's saying this is all some liberal plot to bring her down. She's got to be the victim. Just like Donald Trump, she forgot to check the boxes, just like Donald Trump's lawyers forgot to, uh, air quotes, check the box for a jury trial. It's just all lies and yeah. BS and... Yeah, that's what the party is now. Yeah, funnily enough, that charge was from almost a year ago exactly. October 14th, at least, was when that appeared in the Des Moines Register. So she's a criminal, and uh, yeah, not surprised that she would be harassing someone. Yeah, yeah. And it's not moms for liberty. It's moms for tyranny. Exactly. They want complete control over all of our kids' educations. So I thought that was funny. Uh, from KCRG, The Price is Right Live. Are you a Price is Right fan? Not really. When I was a kid, I liked it. but Just because you're homeschool sick, though. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I mean, you fine. kind of associate it with chicken noodle soup and crackers and, you know, getting to stay home and watch Price is yeah, Right. Yeah, it was sort of interesting to try to figure out what, you know, what something cost. And I think you and I, I mean, obviously the niche is going for, especially back when it first debuted back in the whatever it was 60s 70s it was attracting to stay-at-home moms right they do the grocery shopping they want to know what prices are so it certainly would appeal to somebody that does the grocery shopping or the shopping in their home which i don't do really i go along sometimes but i'm not the guy that goes to the grocery store i go when i must but i'd rather avoid it you go when you're told Essentially, <laughs> right. So anyway, the Price is Light Live is or Price is Right Live is coming to Cedar Rapids next year. The popular TV game show comes to the Paramount Theater in Cedar Rapids as an interactive live show at 7:30 p.m. on March 13th of next year, 2024. Tickets will go on sale starting at 10 a.m. on October 13th. During the show, contestants will be randomly selected to partake in games like Plinko, Cliffhangers, The Big Wheel, and The Showcase. Additionally, some audience members will even win prizes from their seats. Exciting. What's your favorite Price is Right game? Do you have one? No, I don't even remember them. Mine is probably Plinko, the one where you stand at the top of the pegboard, and they've got different dollar amounts at the bottom, and you hope your little chip lands in the $10,000 or whatever the big prize is. After my time. After your time? Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen that. Mm, you had to have seen Plinko. That's like one of the staple games of the show. I don't remember it. All right. Must have just blocked it out. Probably. Yeah. That's really the main one that I remember, really, other than just, obviously, the, the big wheel and the showcase at the end. Yeah, I, I never really cared wheel. too much for the showcase at the end, either, because a lot of the stuff, especially when I was a kid, I never wanted a boat or... A refrigerator you no. know now like yeah i would take a fridge or a washer and dryer but when i was a kid i was not too interested in no and even trips like you know going to aruba or whatever it's like eh, i'm not much of a traveler anyway so well i think that'd be fun but i think it'd end up costing you more money than you think exactly just paying in taxes and then obviously you have to come up with some out-of-pocket money just to afford to enjoy yourself while you're there so just Quick couple of Iowa news stories. Let's get on to some cock talk, though, because it was a pretty busy week for caucus news in the state of Iowa. We'll start off with Donald Trump. This is from KCCI. On Saturday, Donald Trump called for a show of strength in Iowa, arguing before... When have we heard that before, by the way? Let's yeah. have a show of strength. 
arguing before big audiences that dominating in the Republican presidential caucuses in January would signal to voters around the country his strength in the November election next year. Quote, we have to win big, Trump told about 2,500 people in a downtown Cedar Rapids hotel ballroom on his second of stops, part of a fall push to lock in supporters. Another quote, I think we're in great shape in the primary, but it sets a tone for the general election. Trump's afternoon stops in Waterloo and Cedar Rapids were his third and fourth in a little more than two weeks, part of a stepped-up campaign schedule as the opening contest for the 2024 Republican nomination approaches. Late summer polls of likely GOP caucus attendees showed Trump well ahead of his opponents. Trump, who has drawn big audiences to Eastern Iowa events in recent weeks, is expected to return again in mid-October, so again in just about a week or so, as Florida Governor Ron DeSantis hopes to reignite attention with a stepped-up Iowa campaign, and as former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley seeks to seize on new interests since the two GOP presidential debates with a built-out Iowa operation. By the way, the former president also blamed President Joe Biden for Hamas's surprise attack on Israel, alleging Biden had demonstrated weaknesses that emboldened U.S. adversaries. Yeah, can you see, you know, during World War II when there was an attack, or even the Korean War, or even 1969, or so anytime, I'm just trying to think when there's been conflict like that abroad, where we attack our own president, saying they're the, they're the cause of it. With no, never, base, with no basis in no, fact either. He's just no. saying it to say it. Yeah, so, yeah. But all of the Republican candidates are saying it because that stuff works because people don't care. It's just, you know, more noise and confusion and, and you know, the followers, you know, they just follow along. Here's another plug again I mentioned right off the top, but you did just have a new piece that released today from Deep Midwest, your Substack. so make sure you follow Dr. Bob Leonard on Substack for his Deep Midwest. You also have Cedar Creek Nature Notes, which is non-political, just fun, outdoorsy type stuff. Uh, but if you do want to read up on Trump's visit to Ottumwa, that would be the place to go. We also discussed it a little bit last week. It is crazy to think that he's still packing in these crowds, 2,500 to 3,000 people in these hotel ballrooms, even even in eastern Iowa where you don't think of him as having as much support. Yeah, I, I'm surprised, unless the venue was small and they had to turn people away like that in Ottumwa, that it was only 2,500 people in the bigger area. You know, yeah, because you said he had about 2,500 or 3,000 in a ton, too. Yeah, at least 3,000. Right. And now I hear he's coming to Clive and Adele. Okay. I think on Monday. It's kind of odd to me that he's putting so much emphasis right now in Iowa. Because he didn't seem to put that much emphasis the first two go-rounds in Iowa. No, he didn't. And he's got a bigger lead now than he did then. So it's it's... Sort of perplexing. Maybe yeah. they see something that we don't. Maybe a weakness that we don't see in Iowa. Yeah, I don't know. I thought he made a mistake, you know, in 2016, 2015, not coming more. But obviously I was wrong. And now he's coming more. And I don't know, maybe he sees a threat from DeSantis. But all I can say about DeSantis bringing up all those people from Florida to work for him, you just don't, you know, fit right in right away. I mean, it's just really hard. I hope we have a really bad snowstorm so those Florida people are uncomfortable. That would be nice. Yeah. Donald Trump himself, too. He's basically a Florida person at this point anyway. Trump also said, uh, started, re, you know, re-attacking Letitia James, the attorney general for the state of New York, whose office is pursuing a civil fraud case currently on trial. Trump called James 
quote, grossly incompetent and, quote, an evil person, end quote. Yeah, just complete over-the-top mocking lies. And, you know, mocking is sort of it. I mean, Trump doing mocking is very interesting to me. I've watched him in a, t- in a, a tumble, mocking electric vehicles. I mean, he's mocked and handicapped. He's mocked our veterans. He's mocked our war veterans. And it's like, by mocking something or someone, it sort of takes it, I don't know how he got away with mocking the veterans, especially our wounded veterans, but I'm not a, a mega person. But mocking like electric vehicles or Joe Biden or anybody, it sort of takes it out of the realm of normal discussion. You can't discuss, you know, policy regarding electric vehicles if they've just been mocked. It's just so, I mean, it just purposefully dismisses them and, and it destroys the chance for any kind of legitimate conversation. Well, and it's interesting that you bring that up because just reading those quotes, you think, oh, that's just typical Trump stuff. But it's like when he's going out and you know that he's saying that she's grossly incompetent and an evil person in front of thousands of people and they're all cheering. Yeah, That's what's really frightening about it. It's not just a simple quote to a reporter. He's doing this in front of people, and that's literally endangering her life. And Iowans are cheering right. that on. Well, that's part of what dictators do is you dehumanize you know, your, your opposition. You make them, you turn them into you know, animals or things that you can mock. I mean, I, we talked last week about how um, that one woman that was at the end of the Trump rally when I left a little early was holding the sign called, you know, where she was just holding a sign called, where she said hope. Right. And people were driving, young men were... Love, oh, I think. Yeah, it was love, yeah. sorry. I love. saw that, yeah, right. you actually had her picture at the bottom of, of your substack today. Yeah, it was love. And it's like these young men mocking her for holding a sign called love. And so it's all part of it. So he's dehumanized all these people. And it's the same kind of thing that, um, you know, some of the leaders in, in Israel are doing now to the people on, you know, in Gaza. I was going to connect that line too, animals. because he had called the immigrants, yeah. you know, these are animals that we're dealing right. with. And of course, the Israeli defense secretary said these are animals that were, I mean, right. literally pretty much word for word, the exact same verbiage. And, of course, that is to be able to get away with doing inhumane things to those people. Correct. Even though they are human beings. They are not animals. Right. But if you continually demonize them, then it's easier to you know, do whatever you want to them, like, you know, Hitler did leading people to the gas chambers. Well, they're not human. They're subhuman. Right. right? Yeah. That's what he would say. Exactly. It's just horrifying. And that a former president of the United States is doing this, and Republicans are are letting him get away with it, that they don't care. And DeSantis isn't any better. And, you know, I've told you before, I think that in an event in Des Moines at the fairgrounds, when DeSantis, you know, said that he was, you know, took great joy in, you know, essentially kidnapping people in Texas and and sending them to Martha's Vineyards, you know, Martha's Vineyard, and then the audience roared. The inhumanity of it, the cruelty of it, that... I mean, the real MAGA people are way down that path of of demonizing, dehumanizing other people, including us. And it's odd because it's almost parallel campaigns where it's Trump and then to maybe a lesser extent, but still just as dangerous, Ron DeSantis, and then everybody else 
that's afraid to even speak one word or, or take one foot out of step with Donald Trump. And they're cowards. Exactly. Like, why are you even running then if you're not even going to attack the front runner? Because DeSantis won't attack him either. Yeah. Here he is with 91 federal counts. He's being taken to court every other day. He's going to lose the Trump organization. And you don't hear a peep from any of his rivals. Because they want they want whatever that can happen bad to Trump happen. And then they want to scrape off the maggots. Yeah, take off. Bring them on. Take all the leftovers. Well, speaking of, let's move on to Ron DeSantis. This is from KCCI. His presidential campaign said last Wednesday it will move about a third of its staff to Iowa. You mentioned those Floridians coming up to Iowa for the winter. Uh, it's taking place right here in Iowa. Uh, of course, the lead-off caucuses. The development a little more than three months before Iowa Republicans launched the 2024 nominating calendar comes as DeSantis seeks to visit all of the state's 99 counties in an effort to outmaneuver former President Donald Trump. So far, Trump is dominating in Iowa and nationally, while DeSantis has seen his national support slip substantially from its high point earlier this year. DeSantis's team also said they intend to report $15 million during the third quarter of 2023. Sending about a third of the 56 Tallahassee-based staff to Iowa gives DeSantis by far the biggest organizational footprint in Iowa, where he has had four staff members. However, DeSantis's organizational work in Iowa has been carried out by a super PAC supporting him, which has about two dozen Iowa supporters or staff. And that's the Never Back Down super PAC that you see all of those ads running for Ron DeSantis. Well, and if you go to a DeSantis event, you talk to the, to the people that are DeSantis supporters and you think that they're his staff. For the most part, most of them aren't. They're from his super PAC. I was talking to a reporter from Florida who was at the event in Pella, and he says, it's seamless. I've never seen anything like that. I know these people from Pella. They're all the people from the PACs. And the PACs were running the campaign, which is, of course, illegal. illegal. Right. Doesn't stop them. The so-called law and order party is not the law and order party. Well, anymore. of course, but that's just surprising to me that nobody has called them out on it. Right. But of course, a Republican's not going to call them out on it because they may want to do the same thing. And maybe Democrats are afraid to do it too because then, you know, fair about or turnabout is fair play. Maybe they I've never maybe they seen would anything like, like that. There's always been, you know, rarely have I seen members of a pack for any person in, it, in even the same room. And, you know, me, I'm there early and I'm talking to everybody. Right. And they're not, nobody's ever said, oh, I'm with the pack. They've always said, I'm with the campaign. So they're doing it openly too. Right. Maybe that reporter went back to Florida and reported on it, but they could report anything and it probably wouldn't matter. That's true. That's the state of affairs today. It's really sad. There's no reality anymore. Well, yeah, there's no rules. And here we are in the Knoxville Library. We're speaking in the kids' room. Uh, We've got a simple rules sign over there. Respect yourself. Respect others. Respect the space. Put everything away when done, and play nice. Yeah, those like are they did, like they did at the January sixth oh, insurrection, yeah. right? Those are good mega people. That's they don't do any of that. That should be up in the in Congress, shouldn't it? Yeah, it should. Wouldn't do a bit of good. But no, there is no rules anymore. No, because all they are interested in is power. Yeah, it's just power. Anything they can do, and then of course when they get power, they get rid of the rules. Yeah. 
Exactly. Or they impose new rules like, you know, one member of the House can, you know, call for the, you know, the Speaker to be kicked out, <laughs> which right. is just ridiculous. How, how could you possibly agree to that? I don't know how that happened. Yeah. And it's funny, too, because then they tried to blame it all on Democrats. Right. Like that we were supposed to step in and save Kevin McCarthy for some reason. Right. When Kevin McCarthy didn't, you know, keep any of his promises to Democrats. And then he didn't offer anything either. Right. Didn't even ask. Right. It's the Democrats' fault because Republicans don't want to take any responsibility at that level. They will take responsibility for things that they haven't done, though, like pass infrastructure bills or anti-inflation bills. They'll take credit for when those windfalls come to their communities. Right. But they won't take credit for things that they've actually done. Yes, bizarro world. So speaking of bizarro world, this is just kind of an odd story. So Vivek Ramaswamy was in Grinnell. He's been campaigning throughout the state seemingly nonstop over the past month or so. This is from Politico. Uh, he he uh, campaigned in Grinnell on Thursday, and he said, claimed that protesters ran into their parked car at a campaign stop. But local police later said that's not really what happened. Ramaswamy's car, with no one inside it, was struck by another car in a parking lot outside a coffee house. His campaign told Politico Thursday that two protesters hit Ramaswamy's car, but police say that the accident involved a driver unconnected to the protest. Quote, our investigation has revealed no evidence to substantiate the claim that protesters hit Ramaswamy's car on purpose and fled, police said in a statement on Thursday night. Instead, police say that a woman had eaten lunch at a deli and backed out of a parking spot into the campaign's rental vehicle. A report was taken and the driver was released with a summons for unsafe backing. Quote, the driver stated she was not in the area to protest. She did not know who the vehicle she struck belonged to. She did not intentionally back into the vehicle, and she did not flee the scene of the accident. End quote. That's from police in that statement. After Iowa police released the statement refuting the Ramaswamy campaign's claim, Trisha McLaughlin, Ramaswamy's senior advisor, posted to Twitter, formerly known at, well, they said X, formerly known as Twitter, posted to Twitter a photo and video of a person in a car flipping off Ramaswamy, but not the actual collision. Quote, suppose a guy wearing a MAGA hat is standing amongst protesters at Democrat presidential candidate's event, then gets into his car with aggressive bumper stickers, flips off the candidate and screams profanities, lays on his horn, and then reverse rams the candidate's parked SUV. Ramaswamy posted on Twitter in response to the police's statement, I'm sure they'd be just as eager to call it an unrelated accident, right? End quote. That shows they have such disdain for law enforcement. Exactly. Again, they're the law and order They never were the law and order party. Again, um, we're using air quotes when we say law and order. Right, but it's just like... It, and such a victim. He's got to be the victim. Republicans in leadership have to be the victim. Poor me. They came after me. They just made it all up. Right. And this poor woman, you know, just makes a simple mistake. And if it was a rental car, there was probably no, she had probably had no clue who's, you know, that it was even part of the campaign. Yeah. They're just so ridiculous. Good for the Grinnell police, though, to yeah. stand their ground and be like, no, you're not just going to make this stuff up. We're going to tell you the truth of what happened, or at least as close to the truth as, as what we can surmise. Because you would imagine if it was a protester, why would they then lie? If you're going to protest and then ram somebody's car, wouldn't you then say, yeah, damn right it was me. Screw Ramaswamy. Yeah. 
and the Republicans. Well, I'm just thinking that uh, Governor Reynolds signed into law that you could run over protesters. Right. You know, and so I guess we're lucky. And that man in Cedar Rapids was acquitted. Yeah, he was. Not too long ago. Yeah. That ran over protesters, uh, you know, that that was actually about a year ago that it happened. It's just so ridiculous. He was recently acquitted. So So the key here is, did Politico follow up and say that Ramaswamy was lying? Well, I, I mean, that's just a part of it, but I'm not sure to answer your question. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one cool thing was he used drones to spell out, like, you know how truth is his yeah. campaign tagline. It says truth and then Vivek on all of his campaign posters. Well, they did, like, drone shows during this campaign stop in Grinnell, which was very spectacular. I got to hand it to him. That's a pretty smart thing to do. <laughs> it's... More distraction. Just, you know, it's like, I don't know, Neil Postman in the 1980s wrote about television news and sort of foresaw, you know, the internet and the harm that would come with things like this. It's called amusing ourselves to death, where we're watching all of these distractions while, you know, democracy is being taken away from us. We're we're praising drones. I am, (laughs) damn it. Hey, I... I'm not here for a long time. I'm here for a good time. I'm not going to save the world. Uh, we're going to try with this podcast, at least maybe try to save the state of Iowa. But I thought it was cool, man. <laughs> I'm just saying, regardless of who's using it, it's a pretty cool technique to get your word. That's what, see, that's what they want you to do. They want us talking about drones rather than how he will destroy democracy. Well, that's the other weird thing. He, there was I saw a video of a young Ramaswamy supporter that's had actually been to several different events because as I mentioned he's been all over the state so she's been all over the state and, and loves Vivek and it's like if it were up to him you wouldn't be able to vote for another 10 years or 15 years right. rather than when you're 18 so yeah. that's the really weird thing is how he's got this young support and he's known as you know if he is the young candidate and he doesn't want young people to vote yeah it's yeah bizarro world so I didn't even have this on the agenda. Let's take a wider scope. Did you watch 60 Minutes last night at all? No. So they started off talking to Jeffrey Hinton, who is a computer scientist. He went to the University of Edinburgh, and he is known as the father of AI. So he came up with a neural network using computers to essentially create artificial intelligence. And it was... Along the same lines of what you and I have talked, it's sort of become a theme. We have talked about AI quite a bit during this podcast. So, and I didn't know it was going to be on, so I didn't put it on the agenda. But I just thought it was interesting because he flat out said that we do not know what we're doing. AI already has processes that we don't know how it's doing what it's doing. So we've created this system. And then from there, it's basically like giving birth to a child, where it's like, once it's a child, you only have so much control over how they develop. You have some control, but not total control over how those connections are made in their brain. So he said, basically, that it's, they could one day rule the world. 
And this is the father of AI, somebody that's poured his life and still continues. He up until recently worked for Google on their BARD AI machine learning and is now a professor emeritus, but so continues to work in this field, but he's basically sounding the alarm that we could be screwed. And we're already probably the second smartest beings on the planet after some of these, even these chatbots. Well, you know, then you have to dis- decide whether it's life. And it, in, you know, once, in one sense, it is life. If you talk about the human phenotype, which is what we look like and how we behave. Well, let me answer your question real quick, because he did bring up, because uh, Scott Pelley was the one that was doing the interview, and he asked him if they had consciousness yet. And he said they don't yet, but they will. Okay. So, so they can learn. They do have self-contained experiences that they learn from, but they don't yet have a sense of being. Yet. Yet. Because, I mean, when you think about, you know, what individual species, individuals within a species look like, it's a totality of, it's, that's our phenotype, which are the totality of characteristics that are the product of the interaction of the genotype, the code, and the environment. And so the environment is all the information that it's receiving. And so somewhere in there is the potential for life. Right. It's like a nature versus nurture situation. It's nature and nurture. Right. Yeah. So, and he did say that we're, we're starting to get a little bit out over our skis where we've created something that we don't have total control over. And Scott Pelley brought up, well, why don't you just at that point unplug it, turn it off? And he said, what he said was really interesting. These are going to be very good at manipulating people. Because they're going to have read every book. They know all the political tricks. So it will be difficult to just turn them off. And we may become so reliant on them that we can't simply turn them off without other catastrophic repercussions. Well, we just have to hope that one of them becomes like, what, Terminator 2, where Arnold Schwarzenegger's Terminator comes in defense of humanity. So we need an AI, you know, chat, GPT, or whatever to defend humanity. And one other thing, too, is he brought up that Hinton, this Jeffrey Hinton, he brought up that they already do, AI already does better than, for example, radiologists at studying x-rays. That's a professional, good-paying career that it already is doing better than. So who's left? Because he brought up like, oh, well, some people might lose their jobs. But it's like, if a, radio- if a radiologist loses their job, whose job is safe? Because that would be a job that I would think of that you would need a person. Well, yeah, the radiologists, you know, they've been concerned about this for years but because of the imagery itself is so powerful that you can, you know, that it's almost like that you could, it could point it out. It could have pointed it out 10 years ago, because, you know, based on the color signatures, what's the problem? But then they always wanted that last human eye on it. Sure. I'm wondering if, well, but so what we, rather than have like two radiologists at the hospital, maybe we need two radiologists in the state right. to check those Right, you know, exactly. Conclusions of the AI. Yeah, and I think that will happen in a lot of situations where, yeah, you may have had X number of 
truck drivers or lawyers or fill in the blank, whatever profession it may be. And yeah, that might be whittled down to just a few, just to supervise the AI. Yeah, and all those people that lose their jobs, you know what they need to do? Pull themselves up by their bootstraps. <laughs> it's not... It's not Figure something out. Right, that's what the Republicans will say, because they'll never go for any kind of a universal income that would be needed to help all of the people well, that are Well, that's losing. the thing. That is the next step, is how do we make sure that society doesn't collapse? Because if we don't do that, society will collapse. If there's no jobs, absolutely. All right, so done with AI, at least for the moment. So let's get into Israel and Palestine. This is from CNN, and of course, things are changing by the moment. So what we're saying here, I mean, it's as up-to-date as we have. Israel's military says it has retaken control of all communities around Gaza more than 48 hours after Hamas launched a surprise assault in which more than 700 people were killed. Video shows the horror on the ground, including an attack on a music festival where Israeli rescuers say they found 260 people dead. Other clips show Israeli civilians being captured. Hamas claims it is holding more than 100 hostages, including Israeli army officers. Israeli's Minister of Defense said he ordered the, quote, complete siege of Gaza, cutting off electricity, food, fuel, and water to the enclave. This comes as Israel has pounded Gaza with airstrikes and formally declared war on Hamas on Sunday. More than 550 Palestinians have died, according to Gaza's health ministry, and medical care has been complicated by Israel cutting the power to the territory. And Hamas said today, on Monday, that it had fired rockets toward four Israeli cities in response to the strikes in Gaza. Now, I'm no Israeli-Palestinian expert, but it's scary. Especially when we're already dealing and supporting with the war in Ukraine against Russia. And this certainly complicates things for our government. And we were just close to having a government shutdown. We have no Speaker of the House. Tommy Tuberville, former awful college football coach, now current awful senator, is holding up those military positions. And he said he will continue to do so. He said that today. So... We're in a fucking mess. Yeah, and we have no operational House of Representatives. Rand Paul has a hold on all the ambassadors that we have, you know, to Israel and all, you know, like five or six other countries in the Middle East. Um, It's just a mess. I mean, we have to condemn Hamas for the attacks. Um, The largest circulation newspaper in Israel, you know, uh, lays some responsibility at the feet of uh, Benjamin Netanyahu for his hard right um, people that he's put into, you know, important positions. Um, it's uh, it's a terrible situation. Um, the inhumanity of Hamas, which isn't the Palestinian people. Right. I mean, but then the inhumanity of Israel and essentially giving no power, no food, no electricity. Well, that's the thing. The Palestinians are caught between Iraq, Israel, and a hard place, Hamas. Yeah. And so withholding food for, what, two million people? Which half of them are children. We should remind people. This isn't, it's not like it's a Hamas, you know, camp, a, a terrorist training camp. Yeah. No, it's terrible. And, 
you know, I keep thinking about this and that, you know, our MAGA people and our Republicans and Congress, it's like they don't like Hamas. And I understand this. They don't like Hamas killing civilians, Israeli civilians, and raping Israeli women. Hundreds, maybe thousand or so. But they want to pull support for Ukraine when Russians are killing and raping tens of thousands of Ukrainians. So they want to pull out from Ukraine and let those atrocities continue, but they don't see the hypocrisy uh, with respect to Hamas and Israel. It's just, it's just ridiculous. As somebody that admittedly does not know much, I know you know, the minimum of, of sort of what's going on and what's been going on my entire life there. I get most of my news from Twitter. Twitter has been a total shithole with this specific situation. We knew that as soon as Elon Musk took over, took away the blue checks and let you just pay for your blue check, which is just going to continuously stoke more misinformation more bad actors, more people that are trying to get their own side out there, that it's very hard for people like me, and I know I'm not alone in this, to get accurate information on what used to be the information hub. Even journalists relied on it. You know, New York Times, CNN journalists relied on Twitter for real-time updates on situations like this, and I've just learned that you cannot rely on it for breaking news anymore. Well, that's what Elon Musk wants, more disruption in the public sphere. That's what all of these, you know, overlords want is this kinds of confusion. There's, in the Republican Party is this is saying, uh, Ronald McDaniels is saying, this is great. That's a real opportunity, this invasion. This is a real opportunity for Republicans, real opportunity when, you know, all of these people are dead and we can't stand together as a country to, to help in this conflict, and hey, I thought Jared Kushner solved all the problems. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, and Donald Trump—they solved them all. Right. That's what I thought. Yeah. You know who? You know, there's one person to blame for all of this, and it's God. So God decides, let's have three different fucking religions, and have all of their holy place be the same exact fucking spot on the globe. It's God's fault. And let them fight. Right. I mean, it doesn't seem like a smart idea, God. <laughs> <laughs> no, it doesn't. Oh. I mean, because that's the thing is, it's never going to be solved. How could it be solved if three different religions can claim that land as their literal religious birthright? How can that be solved? Well, it could be solved if without know, if without genocide, which is what they've basically been doing for the last 60, 70 years. I'd like to think that it isn't the religions themselves that are doing it. It's the people in power that are manipulating the Oh, sure. I, I agree there. But, yeah, it's... Yeah. It's sad. You know, how we get, how we get along is, you know, love your neighbor. And... You know. Well, yeah, if we could actually listen to some of those religious texts, yeah, maybe right. we could get around some of this vitriol. But yeah, Feed the hungry, help the, you know, help the poor, 
Heal the sick. That's silly, Dr. Bob. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently. That's silly. All right, uh, one last news note from kind of a wider scope. Um, Although, you know, the Republicans are trying to do this pretty much everywhere. This is from KCRG. Republicans in Wisconsin are threatening to impeach a recently elected state Supreme Court justice and raise the possibility of doing the same to the state's election director. A Georgia Republican called for impeaching the Fulton County prosecutor who brought racketeering charges against former President Donald Trump. Republicans in the Pennsylvania House have already impeached the top prosecutor in Philadelphia. None of the targets met the bar traditionally set for impeachment. Credible allegations of committing a crime while in office. Their offense? Staking out positions legislative Republicans didn't like. As Republicans in Congress begin their impeachment inquiry into President Joe Biden, the process is calling attention to the increasing use of impeachment in the states as a partisan political weapon rather than as a step of last resort for office holders believed to have committed a serious offense. It's not just impeachment over the past two years. Republicans also have tried, uh, sought to pry Democrats and nonpartisan executives from office through recalls legislative maneuvers and forced removals, even when no allegations of wrongdoing have surfaced. Yeah, well, it's the end of democracy. If the people's vote doesn't matter, it's the end of democracy. And the Republicans are working actively in many, many different places to take away the will of the people. And if anybody thinks that isn't anti-democratic or a movement to an authoritarian regime, sponsored and abetted by Republican legislators across the land, you're foolish. That brings up Melissa Agard. She's a Democrat who is the Senate minority leader in Wisconsin along those exact same lines said, quote, if voters cannot go to the voting booth and cast their ballot without the fear of an election being vacated and their vote being rendered null and void, what's the point of having elections in the first place? This is the fundamental promise of our nation. And it's funny because Trump has subverted that completely and lied to his supporters and said the same exact thing, except Melissa Agard is actually on the side of democracy and Trump and his supporters would rather not have a democracy. They would just rather install Trump back into the presidency and let him rule. Right, or install some other mega person. Yeah. Doesn't, you know. Fucking Stephen Miller. For yeah. all they care. Yeah. You know, they love that. Yeah. That's why we have to keep fighting. That's right. So, yeah, I mean, it's just funny. To me, it's like the last throes of a dying dynasty. You know, the Republicans really do realize that they're they're screwed in a few years unless they do this sort of shit. Unless right. they redraw lines or threaten with impeachment or, at worst, they threaten with violence. Yeah, and the sad thing is I think most of our Republican friends and family members don't even know this is going on. Right. They just think it's just normal. And if you told them, they'd probably say, oh, that's fake news or no big deal or it's being blown out of proportion or something like that. You know, hyperbole. It's the end of hyperbole. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you can't make this shit up. Yeah. All right, so some good news before we get to the top five. So this is why we're recording today. I'm a huge Minnesota Twins fan. They're playing in the ALDS. They are tied with the Houston Astros at one game apiece. It's a best of five series. They've got two games in Minneapolis starting on Tuesday. Then they'll play again on Wednesday. So normally we record on Tuesday afternoons. That's when the Twins are playing. So the Twins take precedence, Dr. Bob. I'm going to have to pick the Twins over you every time. (laughs) 
especially when it comes to the postseason. Now, of course, if this was just some regular season game, who cares? But And the Twins haven't won. A, well, they hadn't won a playoff game before they did that last week against the Blue Jays since 2002, and this is the first time they've won a playoff series since 2004. So it's a big deal. Well, this face that you're looking at is me not listening. Yeah, you don't care. No, I care. And you know why I care? Because Ted Cruz (laughs) is cheering for the Astros. Yeah, he was there to see the Astros lose to the Twins, which was fantastic. In fact, um, what is her name? The Minneapolis um, representative. She's like actually represents Minneapolis in the U.S. House. Elon Omar. Yeah. Uh, she t- retweeted like, "Oh, thanks for coming out to see the Twins beat your team." So it wasn't you know over the top. It was just kind of just kind of a tongue in cheek right. uh, jive at, at Ted Cruz. So are we ready for the top five list? Why not? All right, top five actors from Iowa. Number five is Cloris Leachman. From Des Moines. She was ahead of my mom a couple of years in school at Roosevelt. Was she really? Yeah. Did they know each other much? Yeah. Mom said she was a nice girl. She seemed like she would be a yeah. really nice person. I think yeah. she had a really good reputation for being a cool, just Hollywood lady. Yeah, and she was, lady. A, you know, a couple of years older than mom. And, you know, how kids can be, you know, in high school, you know, with younger people. Oh, sure. Right. So Cloris was very nice, she said. Good. Uh, yeah, and she was known primarily as a comedic actress, and she was really, uh, you know, I know her from her later days, so I just know her as an old woman, but she was a pretty good-looking lady. when yeah, she, was, she was lovely. She was, you know, a starlet. One quick story, and this sort of ties back to, so we work at KNIAK or less radio. That, was, that station was put on the air by Frosty Mitchell, who's sort of an Iowa radio legend, and he actually set up Jim Zobel when Jim Zobel first moved to Des Moines to cover, you know, just work for WHO Radio and, and cover the Hawkeyes. She, uh, or Frosty Mitchell, set up Jim Zobel with Cloris Leachman on a date. So they actually, Jim Zobel and Cloris Leachman went on a date together. Well, this is me as Forrest Gump again. It's like <laughs> my mom used to date Frosty Mitchell. Of course. Yeah. Of, are you kidding me? No. Oh, God. Isn't that amazing? It is. You're amazing, Dr. Bob. Yeah, well, that was my mom. So do you have any connection to... So that's number five. Number four is Ashton Kutcher. Of course, grew up in the Cedar Rapids area and then moved to Amana when he was in high school. Any connection to Ashton Kutcher? No, just <clears throat> my respect for him is, you know, slowly falled by the wayside. I almost didn't put him on the list because of his support for Danny Masterson, the convicted rapist. So and the COVID testing fiasco. Oh, that's right. He was with the that group out of like, oh, uh, what was it? Utah, I think. Yeah. That Utah-based company that was basically just took all of our money and ran. And, and, and does he even act, or does he just play himself? Yeah, I don't. I haven't seen him actually in anything recently. I mean, the last big thing he was in was he took over for Charlie Sheen for Two and a Half Men. But I don't really know if he's been in a lot of movies at all lately. Yeah, I don't know if he's a high-quality actor or not. But Well, we're from Iowa, so it's kind of slim pickings. Once you get past this top five, we got, like, Tom Arnold out there. That's, yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's not like we have, you know, the pick of the litter. Uh, number three is Michelle Monaghan. She's from Winthrop, Iowa. Shout out all my East Buck Buccaneers. 
You've never heard of Michelle Monaghan? She's been in a lot of Mission Impossible movies. Oh, okay. And she was excellent in, have you ever seen Gone Baby Gone? No. She, uh, she plays a woman who loses a child, you know, their child is, is stolen. Uh, Casey Affleck plays her husband. So they're a husband and wife mm-hmm. that are just going through the heartache of searching for their missing child. And yeah, it's just a very I'm never going never gonna to watch anything like that. I never watch anything with children in peril. Yeah. No. No, that, thank you. that would not be one that you would want to watch then. Uh, so yeah, Michelle Monaghan, she's yeah very accomplished actress. Number two is Elijah Wood. Seems like a nice guy. Yeah, in fact, uh, now here's where I have connections that come in. My good friend when I was growing up, Corey Cosman, um, I wouldn't say childhood friends, but did a few like play dates and, and was friends with a guy that was friends with Elijah Wood when they were children. So... Mm-hmm. And where's he from? He's from Cedar Rapids, okay. Elijah Wood is. And yeah, we grew up in Marion, Corey and I. So well, Wasn't he like a teenage heartthrob 20 years ago or something? All the girls liked him. Oh, yeah. 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 And he grew like he was the first big movie he was in was Free Willy. If you remember the Orca, yeah. Killer Whale, that, that was kind of his breakout role. He was also in a really creepy movie with Macaulay Culkin that was called, what was that? Oh, The Good Son. Yeah. Don't watch that either, because no, that's creepy kid stuff. Uh, okay, so that's number two. Number one, and I have a connection to this guy too. Number one is Ron Livingston. You don't know who Ron Livingston no. is? The name is vaguely familiar. He was uh, broke on the scene in a movie called Office Space, written and directed by Mike Judge, who did King of the Hill, Beavis and Butthead, and it's still a cult classic movie a lot of people love and he was also in Sex in the City he had a recurring role as one of the boyfriends on that show and he was also in Band of Brothers he was one of the stars oh, okay. of Steven Spielberg's uh, miniseries Band of Brothers so like really one of the stars you know of that miniseries and so Mike Judge the Beavis and Butthead Mike Judge yeah so I am a friend of his dad Come on. Yeah, his dad is an anthropologist, and his students used to call him Dr. Butthead. That's awesome. Joking about it. Yeah, sure. He's a good guy. That actually makes perfect sense that Mike Judge would be the son of an archaeologist. Just because he's really in touch with, yeah, humanity. Yeah, He did a movie called Idiocracy, which is like a future version of America, and he basically was spot on (laughs) with... How yeah. Americans have progressed over the past because it came out, shoot, it's probably been twenty years ago now, and it's yeah. pretty much spot on with how things are today. Uh, I have a connection to Ron Livingston. He went to Marion High School, which is where I graduated from, and I played baseball with his younger brother Nick, who was also an actor. And he didn't act very much, but he did. Uh, remember the final season, that movie about the yeah. Norway baseball team? Yeah. He was in that yeah. um, movie. Um. <clears throat> But you've forgotten some people. I'm all ears. Like my favorite, you know, Jason Momoa. That's true. How could you forget him? I mean, I don't even necessarily consider him an actor. He's just a good-looking guy. He's, yeah, I don't know. He's, he's funny. Awkward. He seems funny. He's great. Yeah, he's, I think he's a better actor than Ashton Kushner. Uh, probably. Yeah. I like how you called him Ashton Kushner. Kushner. <laughs> Was that a Freudian slip? Or Perhaps. Just, yeah. um, and then what about Donna Reed? 
you know, you don't know her. You're, you're too young. Name rings a bell. Yeah, she's America's sweetheart. Then there was, oh, you know, oh, the two, both Superman guys, Brandon Ruth and then George Reeves, the TV one. Sure. Um, you probably left John Wayne off on purpose. I did. Yeah. Um, Jean uh, Seberg, who was like this famous actress from Marshalltown, part of this you know, big French movement. She was absolutely beautiful. She was, uh, she was plucked from nowhere, like 18,000 people applied. And I forget it was the movie uh, St. Joan, where she played Joan of Arc and whoever the director was plucked her out. She really wasn't an actress. She ended up being a good actress, but she started off and, and how she reported on it was the movie was Pan. It was just terrible. This is important French director, right? And but he forgave her and wanted to do another one. And later on in life, actually not that later on in life, but she said that she had the, the two most uh, memorable times in her movie career was when she was burned at the stake as Joan of Arc, and then once again burned uh, at the stake by the movie critics for her role. <laughs> <laughs> but My kind of girl. You know, she committed suicide at age 40. Tough life. Ouch. That is sad. Yeah. Um, after multiple attempts at... Any other actors that I've left off the list? Um, Johnny Carson came up, but I don't consider him an actor. Right. And I thought he was from Nebraska. I think he must have spent... Either been born in Iowa and then... Yeah, he was born in Nebraska, Soon after. Yeah. Um, I don't know. There's lots of different... Actors. Um, one of my favorite when I was growing up was a guy named William Frawley, who was the neighbor in I Love Lucy. He was hilarious. Really? Where do you know character where he was, actor. Do you know where he was from? No, I don't. But he was hilarious. He used to make me laugh so hard yeah. Yeah, when I was a kid. <laughs> All right. Um, I'm not going to ask for a suggestion this week because I've already decided we're in the kind of thick of fall now, starting to get those cooler temps. It's officially soup season. So we're going to do top five soups next week. It's not going so to require your, a lot of, work, of thought and research. No, thank God. I'm through with research for a little bit, especially, yeah, it's been a busy couple weeks. Yeah. And it's just going to get busier and busier until we get to the caucuses. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what do you got cooking up? You got anything to tease for the Substack or any other projects that you're working on? Oh, I've got lots of projects I'm working on. Um, Republicans are coming after Social Security, and I'm going to write about why that's a terrible idea. I've got a new idea I'm working on about you know a little bit of restructuring the labor force because we're all tired of those eight-hour-a-day cages that a yeah. lot of us live in. Um, I just saw that Nikki Haley is coming to Pella. Okay. I might wander up and go to see Donald Trump and Clive or Adele. We'll see. I mean... It's caucus time. I'm on the move. I was going to say, you got to be everywhere at once this time of the year. So, um, yeah, I guess we'll leave it at that, and we'll have plenty to talk about next week, I'm sure. Um, don't even want to promise when we're going to be <laughs> back. We'll, we'll be back next week at some point for another episode of the Iowa Revolution podcast. Make sure to follow us. You can do that on Twitter. We're at Iowa Revolution. We're also Iowa Revolution on Facebook. And, uh, yeah, we'll be back next week with uh, another sizzling hot Iowa Revolution podcast. Do you know the Minnesota Twins fight song? Um, go Twinkies. No. Oh. <laughs>
We're gonna win twins, we're gonna score. We're gonna win twins, watch that baseball soar. Knock out a home run, shout a hip hooray. Cheer for the Minnesota Twins today. And let's cheer those winning Minnesota Twins with an ice cold, refreshing hands beer. <laughs> Sounds good to me. I will, I won't promise I'll watch, but I'll look for the score. Well, thanks, Dr. Bob. I appreciate <laughs> that. I'll look forward to next week, too. Thanks, Dr. Bob. It's always fun. Yeah. Absolutely.